You are now listening to the Double Say Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Justin Nicosia. Welcome back to the Double Say Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Nicosia, and I'm joined once again by Nick Pellegrini. Now, today we're going to be doing our fourth installment of the MLB preview series. We're going to be starting off today with the AL Central. All right, let's start off with the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians started as arguably favorite to win that division last year, but kind of disappointed when they ended up in second place. And at the 60-game mark last year, they were 500 at 30 and 30. Now, they got worse over the offseason. They lost Tyler Clipper. They lost Kipnis. They lost Corey Kluber, most notably. And they also lost Yasiel Puig. Yeah, if you look at this team, they did not meet those expectations. There were a lot of injuries. Kluber, Clevenger, Carlos Carrasco came down with cancer. and Unfortunately. You know, that was probably one of the top three starting rotations. And it just really didn't pan out. And they are kind of at the point where they don't really have to rebuild. But I think getting rid of Kluber, based on how many starters they have in the farm system and guys like Clev and Bieber who've pretty much already proven themselves even though they're so young I think it was a good move for them to get rid of Kluber and try to maybe replenish the farm system a little bit Lindor is looking at a big off-season contract coming up so at some point you're gonna have to replace some of these guys you can't keep them all obviously they didn't meet expectations last season they were a pretty solid wild card team in my opinion they were. I think they have a real shot for it this season too Oh, definitely. And we saw that they were trying to move away a bit more of the Kluber and Bauer-led rotation last year when they got rid of Trevor Bauer at the trade deadline last year. And they're definitely starting to move towards a Shane Beaver and Mike Clevenger-led rotation, which honestly, it's not a bad move because at some point it's time to move on from the guys that you've trusted for so long. Yeah, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, those guys were there back in the World Series against the Cubs back in 2016. Trevor Bauer kind of blew up in that, kind of blew it. Yeah, I mean, you have these, of course, they're all-star pitchers and all-star players, but to a certain point, they got you that far and they're not able to to get you that far again. At some point, you have to kind of move on and, and see if maybe there are other players that can get you to the point that you want to be back at. And I think that was the right move for the ball club, getting rid of Bauer, who... He's a head case has, sometimes. Yeah, he can have some off-field drama, chuck the ball over the center, field, over the wall, center field wall. Yeah, I know Tito wasn't too fond of that. So I, I think it was time to, to maybe reshape kind of what the franchise looks like. And with young guys like Lindor and then young guys like Clev and Bieber and Zach Plesak, I think the Indians are heading in the right direction for right now. Now, while we didn't really touch upon any of their like offseason acquisitions, because there weren't really that many, but the guy that's going to make the biggest impact that they signed this year is going to be Cesar Hernandez. He came over from Philadelphia, and he's probably going to be plugged into that leadoff spot. Yeah, it's definitely going to add depth. You have Hernandez, who's, who's going to lead off, and then you have guys behind him like Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, and Carlos Santana. So these are definitely guys that opposing pitchers are going to fear. So if you can start off the game, that's a really solid one through five. Don't quite know who they'll plug in at the two, but my guess is three, four, five is going to be Lindor, Ramirez, Santana. Don't forget about Franmo Reyes, though, either, who they acquired in that trade with Trevor Bauer. Yeah, that's true, too. Franmo Reyes, is, he's he's kind of a tank, too, so he'll probably wind up batting sixth. So this this lineup has a lot more depth this year which I think is something they lacked in the previous years. They were really solid on starting rotation, but if you're not scoring any runs, no matter how good your rotation is, it, it 
it's not going to mean anything. Especially because their bullpen isn't the best in the league. It's led by Brad Hand at the back end. But the rest of it, like Adam Plutko, Oliver Perez, Emmanuel Clays, they're all guys that they could get the job done if needed, but they're not going to blow anyone out of the water, and they're not going to be able to really match up with any of the top bullpens like the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers. Yeah, after Andrew Miller's injury and kind of that whole entire ordeal, they haven't really had a, a shutdown guy since then. So, like I said, no matter how good starters are, you can't expect them to go nine innings every start. And if it's a tight game, you have to be able to rely on your bullpen, and especially in a 60-game season. In a, in a regular 162-game season, every game matters. But in a 60-game season, games matter that much more. So having a bullpen that's not top tier is definitely going to impact their chances for making the playoffs in this short season. I think it's time to move on to our MVP picks for the team. I think my pick is the one that a lot of people would go with. I'm going with Francisco Lindor. He's a top three shortstop in the game. I believe he's probably number two. I'd put Trevor Story above him. But he's definitely the leader on this team and has been for quite some time now. Yeah, I mean, there was some drama offseason about maybe he was going to get traded whatnot. He's still waiting on that big contract. He definitely deserves it. He's definitely a top three shortstop in the league. So, you know, I definitely expect him to get paid. He's, he's the one reliable constant in Cleveland that I would be pretty comfortable putting my money on that. As long as he has a good season, this, this Indians team will have a good season too. Now, someone that the season's success largely relies on also is going to be my X factor, the third man in that rotation, Carlos Carrasco. Touched upon him earlier how he had leukemia, which is very unfortunate, and it kind of threw off his game last year. The end of the season with a 5-2-9 ERA, a whip of 1-3-5, and he didn't strike at batters near the rate that we expect him to usually do. And it's kind of unfortunate because, I mean, obviously you never want anyone to go down to an injury, and especially not Carlos Carrasco. I mean, no one's ever said anything bad about him. But if he could return to his form from 2014 to 2018, that'll be really beneficial for this team. But with the whole leukemia thing and how it affects him both physically and mentally, it's a very big question mark that I'm not really sure anyone has the answers to. Yeah, for my X Factor, I'm going to have to go with Jose Ramirez. Last season, he got off to kind of a slow start. He wasn't really the the J-Rom that we were used to seeing Mm -hmm. until much later in the season. But with that being said, it is a 60-game season. So if we see kind of post-All-Star Jose Ramirez, I think that would be really important for this Indians team making a playoff push in the shortened season. But if it takes them two, three weeks to really start heating up and being a reliable bat in that lineup, the Indians season may be over before it really gets started. So I'm going to have to go with J-Rom as my X-Factor. Yeah, I definitely like that pick, too, because, I mean, last year, even with that solid second half he had, his bad and average was down quite a bit. His on-base percentage and slugging percentage were both also way down from the rest of his career. And his strikeouts were at an all-time uh, rate. He had 74 strikeouts in 129 games, and the most strikeouts he had in a season prior to that was 80, but that was in 157 games, which 28 more games than he played last year. So we'll see if he can bounce back, and if he can have a bounce-back year, that's huge. So I'm going to move yeah, on to the to the Cy Young, and I, for me personally, it's going to be the All-Star MVP, Shane Bieber. Man's only 25 years old, and he's already looking like a fantastic, fantastic pitcher. His ERA is 3.72 for his entire career, and it's probably only going to go down from here. And 
mean, he's a he's a great pitcher. Yeah, like we touched on earlier before, this rotation is definitely one of the better rotations in the league. Definitely a top ten rotation. So Bieber's a great pick, but I'm gonna have to go with Mike Clevenger. The last season he battled some injuries, so we didn't really get a full season of Clev, but. Hopefully, just 60 games, he'll wind up getting about 12 starts. And hopefully, he could be a lockdown guy. I actually have him as being like a top five, maybe not that high, maybe more like top seven or eight um, in, in Cy Young voting for the entire AL. I think that's just how dominant Mike Clevenger can really be. Would you put him maybe so, as a dark horse candidate if you were to call him one? Yeah, I think a lot of people are overlooking him as a AL Cy Young just because there are so many other bigger names that are – established as Cy Young potential but Mm -hmm. you know I I definitely see Clev being one of those guys maybe if it's not this year but definitely in the future he's going to establish himself as a every year potential Cy Young award winner yeah I completely I completely understand that I think that again I mean I don't think he's going to win the Cy Young but he's definitely in the conversation for someone that if you were kind of take a riskier bet or pick that he would be one of the names that I would throw out there definitely let's move on to Chicago White Sox they probably had the best offseason out of anyone uh, last year. They lost Wellington Castillo at the catcher position, but they replaced him with the second-best catcher, in my opinion, in the league, Yasmani Grandal. Their pitching staff also had had some issues last year, especially when Chris Sale had left, and they fixed those holes with two lefties, Gio Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel, and they added a couple solid offensive bats, too, Nomar Mazzara and Edwin Encarnacion. That's why I think they had the best offseason, and they could improve on a team that was 29-31 at the 60-game mark last year. And they didn't have a great season, but they can definitely improve on. And with Keiko and Gonzalez, they could get Lucas Giolito a lot of help in that rotation. Yeah. For this White Sox team, I wouldn't necessarily look at the record to justify how good this team really is slash can be. I mean, they have some real young studs. They have Tim Anderson at shortstop, Yon Moncada, you know, second base. They have Eloy Jimenez in the outfield. Jose Abreu. These guys are, are just absolute studs. Lewis Robert hit a monster home run in oh, that was an exhibition game. And we're recording this Tuesday night. He hit it Monday night. I still don't think that ball has landed yet. Um, May not have. This Chicago White Sox team is definitely a dark horse team. Between the White Sox and the Reds, I think those are two teams everyone's kind of overlooking, but everyone's kind of predicting that they're underrated. I still think this White Sox team. Kind of weird paradox there. Right. Like, I don't know if this White Sox team will make the playoffs this season, but, you know, I think they are maybe one piece away from being really – really good if they had signed Manny Machado I know they were in the running for it they were one of Mm -hmm. like the last three teams the Padres and Dodgers but if the White Sox had gotten Manny Machado and then with this team that they have I really think they could they could be in the running for the AL Central you know especially in a 30 game season um every game is going to count like I keep saying so you know some of these some of these games if they have the right people at the right time, you know, they could they could wind up stealing some games here or there and all of a sudden they're up at the top of the leaderboard for the standings. So they're they're definitely an interesting team to watch. Living on the East Coast, I usually don't catch the later games at night, but I would mm-hmm. definitely stay up to watch watch some White Sox games. I think they're really gonna be 
a fun team to watch this year. For sure. And I think that they're going to be in the race for most of the year where even if we're not catching the entire game, because we probably don't have access to most of the games, uh, they'll probably be on MLB tonight quite a bit. And they'll be a fantastic team to watch. It'll be fun, especially watching that lineup because they'll be absolutely raking. And you did mention that they were one or two pieces away. I think the biggest thing for them to kind of touch upon is working on that bullpen because honestly, if you look at it, Steve Ciszek and Carlos Rodon are probably the biggest names in that bullpen and none of them are really that great. And we have Alex Colome uh, as a closer and that's not really something that will consistently get the job done. So they really need to target some guys in free agency. I'm not sure off the top of my head what relievers are free agency this year, but they need to target some guys in free agency as relievers and if they do that this year or even next year, I'm sure that they can be a absolute force to be reckoned with in the AL. Yeah, a lot of the teams that just missed the playoffs can really raise some eyebrows for some free agents. You know, if the White Sox, they were willing to spend some money with Manny Machado. So, you know, maybe you hmm. get some, you know, grade B players and, you know, you're not going to give them $300 million contracts, but you're willing to open your wallet for them. And they'd be more than willing to to kind of, be the ones to say, hey, listen, I'm going to join the White Sox and I'm going to be the piece that takes them to the playoffs. And then they are that piece that takes them to the playoffs and makes these grade B players look like grade A players just based on the impact that they have in the clubhouse. So, you know, the White Sox, the White Sox are really going to be interesting, not just this year, but definitely over the next five years. Um, Yeah, but Steve Ciszek, Age 39, he's definitely not someone that is that you're going to rely on being on this roster for the next five years. Um, they they definitely have to focus on their bullpen in the future. But for this season, I think it'll put them in a good spot to have an even better offseason next year. So let's move on to our MVP and X-Factor picks. And I'm going with Jose Abreu as my MVP. He has, in his six MLB careers, he has hit – 100 or more RBIs every year, except for one of them. He only played 128 games because he had an injury. And he also has fantastic triple slashes as well, consistently hitting over 280 and with an on-base percentage over 330. And he's getting older. He's 33, but he's been leading this team for quite a few years. And I think he still can continue to lead them for at least two or three more. Yeah, Jose Abreu is a great pick just because of how reliable he is. But I'm going to have to select my MVP to be Yon Moncada. This kid's young, but he really seems like the leader. He reminds me a lot of Pete Alonso, where he's young, but he's willing to get his hands dirty. He's willing to put in the work. and He's really willing to make this team a playoff team, no matter what it takes. And Seeing that type of drive, that type of passion in someone so young, I think is so important for a young team to actually make that push you know you see a lot of young guys and they're so focused on themselves just trying to make it and establish themselves but Yamankata has established himself he's young so now he can focus on on making this a winning ball club and not just focus on him making the roster spot he knows he's making the roster spot he knows he's a starter he just has to go out there and and put up the hard work that he does yeah, and we saw the hard work pay off last year where almost every single statistical category improved so much over 2018. The only thing he needs to work on is, I mean, it's been what he's had to work on his whole career, but his strikeouts because he strikes out at a higher rate than anyone else in the MLB. But yeah. I'm going to move on to my X factor, who it's going to be the actually the AL leader in bad average last year, Tim Anderson. 
Now, this is a guy that a lot of people are ripping on, and I kind of understand it. I mean, he had a really high bad and average in balls in play. He seemingly got really lucky, especially because he hit 335, which was almost 100 points better than he hit in 2018. So the question is, is he really going to be able to sustain a 335 bad and average once again when he hasn't hit above 285 the rest of his career? If he can do what he did last year again and be a consistent, solid guy that you can put in the top of the lineup and get on base consistently at a high rate, then yes, for sure he'll be huge to this team. But that's a big question because he hasn't done it consistently up until last year. Yeah, my X factor is actually going to be the newly acquired Dallas Keuchel. We saw last season that Keuchel held out, and when the Braves finally signed him, he really didn't start pitching until about June. You know, by Dallas Keuchel standards, he didn't have the best season, but, you know, for a ball club like this that has a lot of young pitchers, I think it's going to be really important for those young pitchers to learn from a guy like Keuchel. He has the playoff experience. He has the World Series experience. He has the, you know, that Cy Young caliber experience. So I think it's going to be really important for guys like Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, even though he's not playing this year, he opted out. Dallas Keuchel, not only is he going to have to perform on the field, but I also think he's going to have a major impact off the field in those type of guys. But definitely, I want to see Keuchel bounce back. I know he can do better than what he did last year. He's only going to have about 12 starts to really, you know, pitch lights out. So, you know, I'm hoping he can snag, you know, six or seven wins. And, you know, if he can get an ERA under 3.4, I think Dallas Keuchel is the Dallas Keuchel we all know and love. He's Astros Dallas Keuchel, not Atlanta Braves Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, Atlanta Braves Dallas Keuchel would suffice in this team anyways. He would be perfectly fine for the role he needs to. And – like you mentioned earlier, the veteran leadership on the team, I know I talk about it a lot, but the veteran leadership on the team, especially the playoff experience, is going to be so huge because no one on this team is really filled with playoff experience. I mean, obviously, Grandala has been, but everyone else that was homegrown by the White Sox hasn't had playoff experience. Giolito, obviously. So it's going to be huge for Keiko and Gio Gonzalez to come in here and show them how it's done in playoffs and kind of provide that experience because playoff experience is really important for teams. I mean, we see it all the time in no matter what sport. Yeah, of course. So hopefully guys like Keiko and Grandal, you know, signing them is so much more than just signing, you know, great players. It's, it's signing, you know, the personality, it's signing the off field stuff, you know, the stuff that, that happens behind the scenes that, you know, really makes good players, great players. So move on to my Cy Young pick who, is Lucas Giolito. He finished sixth in the Cy Young voting last year, and rightfully so. He pitched at a 3-4-1 ERA, and he had a top five strikeouts per nine last year. And he's only 25. I mean, the man had a whip that was close to one. It was a 1.06. And he had led the league in three complete games last year. Two of them were shutouts. This guy is absolutely phenomenal, and he's one of the best in the MLB and best one in his pitching staff. And I, he could finish top three in Cy Young voting next year. Yeah, no, it's it's really hard to argue the Cy Young for this team. It, it's obviously going to be Lucas Giolito. 12 starts, I wouldn't be surprised because of how short a season is. If he's averaging seven and two-thirds, eight innings per start, I think the White Sox are just they're just going to let him do his thing, especially because they don't have a reliable bullpen. So as long as his pitch count isn't getting too high, you know, you obviously don't want a guy like Lucas Giolito to get hurt. 
But he had three complete games last year. I really wouldn't be surprised if he chucks two complete games this year. He's that he's one of my top five Cy Young candidates for this year. He's just he's that good and he's still so young. So, you know, he's he's definitely gonna be a fun guy to watch, not just this year, but his whole career. Definitely. So let's move on to the Detroit Tigers. I really don't want to do this team. They're they're really embarrassing, but it's got to be done. They finished with the worst record in the major leagues last year, only 47 wins. And I actually saw a stat the other day where the hitters had a total fan graphs war that was like negative 2.6. The entire team was worse than replacement level teams. And I mean, when you call a team a minor league team, minor league level team, this is what you're looking at. And they didn't do anything to really fix themselves in the offseason. I mean, they had C.J. Crone, Cameron Mabern, and Jonathan Scope, but all those guys are getting up there in age and are probably average at best. Yeah, I feel bad for Miguel Cabrera. You know, oh, for sure, me too. He's had such a great career, and the fact that he's going to have to end it on a team like this, it, it really sucks. But he's he's a real one for hanging in there, and he's getting paid too much money. He He knows the situation. He knows that at this point in his career, he's kind of like Robinson Cano. He's getting paid too much money at this point in his career where other teams are going to find him beneficial to a playoff push. He's not the same Miguel Cabrera, you know, that we had. I remember five, ten years ago when he was up for triple crown. That's how good he was, you know. He yeah, could, he did. He could hit for contact, RBIs, home runs, you know, the whole nine yards. When he had it in, yeah, he had it in 2012. He had the back-to-back MVPs in 12 and 13. Right, exactly. But I believe every situation has a silver lining. You know, everything happens for a reason. So although they were the worst team, Tigers were able to select Arizona State third baseman Spencer Torkelson with the number one overall draft pick in the 2020 draft. And this guy, this guy's pretty good. No, let me rephrase that. He's actually really good. To be the number one pick, you've got to be pretty solid. Right. But this guy is beyond solid. Um, He also played a majority of first base during his college career, but he's also listed as a third baseman. So, you know, he's probably the successor to Miguel Cabrera over there at first base. At this point, it's kind of like what's going on with the Orioles. I think your season is so short after the first 15, 20 games. I think just bring up, you know, your top prospects from the farm system. Let them get some experience. Let them face some major league pitching. Really see what you have in the tank. And a guy like Torque. I'm hearing people are comparing him to potentially having a career like Mike Trout, you know, like he's. Yeah, I don't want to say anyone's going to be like Mike Trout. I mean, he's the greatest player of the generation. These, these are not my words per se. I'm just repeating the words of others. But um, I, you know, I, I don't really watch too much college baseball, so I can't really say uh, too much how I feel about Torque. But I did see some highlight videos, and um, he is pretty good. I will say that. So it's going to be interesting to to see uh, if the Tigers kind of do what I think the Orioles should do. And mm-hmm. after 15, 20 games max, just it's a lost season. It's only 40 games. Just just bring up the minor leaguers. Bring up your top prospects. There's no minor league season. So, you know, why have these veterans who haven't played at a high caliber for five years they've been in the major leagues? Let the young guys play and give them the opportunity. and and see what you have. And who knows, maybe the young guys come up 
and you know no one knows what to expect with the young guys because there's no film on them there's no notes on them there's nothing about them and you know, maybe they don't make you competitive, but maybe they make you less of an embarrassment. Yeah, and if you guys don't know what Nick's talking about, we went more in depth on it in our last pod, the ALEs pod. Uh, make sure you check it out. We went over it when we were talking about the Baltimore Orioles. But uh, let's get done with this because there's really not much I want to talk about about the Tigers. So let's move yeah. on to our MVP picks. I think mine's Miguel Cabrera. He led the team in almost every statistical category last year. And yeah, I know he's 37. And he's probably going to decline a bit more. But when you're looking at a team where Cameron Mayville, Mabin, and Nico Goodrum are your other two guys in the top of the lineup, I think he's probably the most logical guy to pick. Yeah, when a team is so bad, it it justifies picking a 37-year-old player yeah. to be your MVP. But, I mean, Miguel Cabrera had such a, an established, distinguished career that even if this team did have one or two more pieces, I would still feel comfortable selecting Cabrera as my MVP. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's – yeah, there's not much thought about Not it. Much he's else been the most established, and he's been consistent despite his age. He has fallen off a bit, but no one else on that team has been reliable enough. Speaking of people that are unreliable, I'm going to move on to Jordan Zimmerman, who's my X Factor, and he really hasn't been viable in his time as a Detroit Tiger, especially last year in 2017 in particular. But he does have a bright side. Back when he was in Washington, he was two-time All-Star. He finished top 10 in Cy Young voting twice. He had an ERA below three a couple of times, and ERA below 3.5 a pair more times. He's 34, so it's not very likely he'll return to his Washington form. But if he does, or at least removes himself from the near seven ERA he had last year, it won't bring the Tigers to even close to a playoff team, but it might make them a little less painful to watch and to talk about. Yeah. My X factor, I'm going to stick with the pitcher, but I'm looking more in the bullpen at Daniel Norris. Last year we saw the Tigers, they were dumping players and Daniel Norris kind of drew the short end of the straw. He was the one guy that was on the trade block that didn't get traded. Castellanos left. So, you know, and Daniel Norris, you know, he's, he was their next best player at, behind Castellanos, and he was on the trade block, but nothing really came for him. So if he can have another solid year this year, I do think that the Tigers are going to look to move him to a team that does want to make that push in the playoffs in the 60-game season. And, you know, it really does seem like that the Tigers want as many prospects as they can get, and especially in this 60-game season, trade for the prospects and let the kids play. So yeah, I, I definitely play. think Daniel Norris is, is my X factor. Yeah, I, you made a great explanation there. And maybe if he does well enough, they could find a trade location for him this year and even get a small thing back because anything is better than what they have. I know I've been giving them a lot of shade, but they deserve it. They wasted Miggy's career. Yeah, well, I mean, they had that one opportunity when they had uh, Scherzer, Purcello, and Verlander. They yeah, kind of missed, they missed they the opportunity with that one. Yeah. Uh, so my Cy Young, if you want to call it, their least painful pitcher to watch is Matt Boyd. He had a 4-5 ERA, which actually led the team last year. That's really shocking. And he, he led the AL in home runs, and he's still going to be my Cy Young. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Michael Fulmer. I mean, it, like you said, the least painful pitcher to watch. Michael Fulmer, as a Mets fan, you know, we, we gave him up for Jonas Cespedes, which I thought in the moment – that was a good trade. And then once that was hurt, I thought that was a bad trade. And now looking back on it, I think both teams broke even. 
Michael Fulmer never really panned out to all the hype, but mm-hmm. you know he's he's definitely an okay pitcher. I think on a good team, he's a four or five type of guy. I think that's his spot, and I think he would lock down being a four or five starter. But you know the fact that he's a one or probably a two behind Boyd, I just I don't think he's that caliber. So I don't think that that helps his his resume. But I'm gonna go with Fulmer as my Cy Young because he's just one of the less painful pitchers to watch. Yeah, definitely. But uh, speaking of painful teams, let's move on to the Kansas City Royals. Although they are about 35 times less painful than the Detroit Tigers, dare I say they're actually being underrated? Yeah, I think that's a little bit of an overstatement. But we're all I'm not saying I'm not saying underrated in the sense that they're going to go out there and win 35 games this year, but in a sense where people are counting them out as teams as someone that's going to win like less than 20 games, and I think they could be a team that's closer to 500. Maybe not exactly 500, but yeah, I mean. We're going to go over standings later, um, but no, they'll they'll probably get they'll, – they'll definitely get more than 20 wins, but I don't think they're going to hit 30 wins. I think, yeah, I don't think they are either. I, I, I think the problem with this team is they just have literally no pitching, and all their good players are a lot older. It kind of puts them on the trade block. Really more is depth pieces, guys like Alex Gorin or – even Salvador Perez, although I don't think the Royals will ever separate from, from Perez. No. Uh, but, like, a guy like Whit Merrifield, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded to a playoff team. A guy like Alex Gordon makes, you know, um, a, he's a great player to be a, be a bench spot. Um, Jorge Soler, um, although he's kind of fresh in his Royals tenders, I don't think he would really go anywhere, but it, you know, there are definitely guys who I could see being traded, you know, especially in this 60-game season. Mm-hmm, definitely. I mean, I, I do like their lineup with Whit Merrifield, Alberto Montesi, Jorge Soler, Alex Gordon, Salvador Perez, running the top six. Uh, forgot to mention Hunter Dozier, but he'll probably be clean up. But their pitching, especially their bullpen, I mean, their bullpen when they were in the World Series was the best in baseball, the most fearless, and it's com- taken a complete 180 to where we are now. Their rotation, I don't absolutely hate. I think Danny Duffy is a decent arm. Mike Montgomery is not great, but I do like Brad Keller, especially as a young guy. I think that he can definitely improve and be a guy that they kind of build around in that rotation. Yeah. I mean, their rotation doesn't really excite me too much. I think their best offseason signing was Michael Franco, and this is a guy who was sent to the minors by Philadelphia. So I, I don't know. This team didn't really make any moves to really try to say, all right, we're, we're going to try to get back to that postseason form. But what big free agents would want to sign in Kansas City? Not um, many. You know, it, it's not it's not a hub. It's not – you know, it's not like signing with, like, a bad New York Mets team or New York Yankees team. Like, a Los Angeles team, it's it's Kansas City. So, you know, it's, it's not a huge market. But I definitely think, um, you know, with guys like Gordon and Perez getting up there in age, you know, it, they're just not going to be as competitive as they were, let's say, like, back in 2015 and uh, 14 when they were, you know, in the World Series. Mm-hmm. That is a kind of big problem. The Kansas City market really isn't that big. And I don't think free agents really want to go there, especially in the future. Like, if we're getting fans back, say, next year in 2021, 
the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be taking all the fans on Sundays from September and, I mean, if they play any October games. So, I mean, it'll only end up being a couple of games that they'll be missing, but fans will be wanting to watch the Chiefs over the Royals, so it's not really anything that helps them. The good thing about football is it will probably only wind up being like a month overlap. So that's only mm-hmm. four games. Plus, not all four games are going to be at home to start the season for the Chiefs. But still, if I were to live in Kansas City and I were to invest, you know, like season tickets in the team, I would obviously invest in the Chiefs. For sure. You know, Super Bowl winning team. The Royals just not there. They should be used to playing without fans, though. You know, they, <laughs> they weren't getting a ton of ton of fans last season anyway. And so they'll have a benefit there. They'll be used to it. Market. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? Maybe they can use that to their advantage. It's possible. But uh, let's move on to our picks for the their awards. And I'm going to go with, for my MVP, which should come as no surprise, it's the reigning two-time MLB hit leader, Whit Merrifield. He doesn't really need much explanation. I mean, he hits over 300 consistently, nearly 200 hits. doesn't drive in many runs, but he's a, their leadoff hitter. And a damn good one at it. Yeah, when you're a leadoff hitter, you're not really going to get a ton of RBIs, but hopefully exactly. you're going to score a ton of runs. Hopefully the guys behind you are going to drive you in. This guy's fast. He can steal. You know, he just flies around the bases. I'm going to have to agree with you. I just I don't feel comfortable taking any other player on this team besides Whit Merrifield to be the MVP for this ball club. The only other one that I could really see you making an argument for is Adalberto Mondesi. Because he's really young. He's arguably faster than Whit Merrifield, and he has a decent amount of upside to him also. Yeah, I would love to see those two guys race. Just do, like, do a 40-yard dash. Oh, yeah. Go at I'd, it. Pay, just, I'd pay money to see that. Yeah, I think that'd be that actually be really hype. So let's move on to our X Factor. I, I touched on him earlier, uh, and it's Brad Keller. I really do like this guy. I was talking on the MLB pitcher's tier list, and I was talking about him, and I really – get reminded of Zach Wheeler with him. When Zach Wheeler was in his earlier part of his career, like 2015, 2016, he had some really solid stuff, but he needed to focus on getting the strikeouts up while getting the walks down because Brad Keller walks people at an alarming rate of almost four per nine innings, and he doesn't strike out batters at a high rate. And I could forgive people not striking out batters as much as long as you're not walking batters. But when he walks more than half as many batters as he strikes out, that's a problem with me. So if he can get those down and strikeouts up, I think he could be a really good pitcher. And since he's only 24, he has the chance to do it either this year, next year, even a couple years from now. And depending on when he blossoms, he'll be a very big piece, like I said, for them to build around in this starting rotation. I think that's a good pick, but my pick's going to have to be Salvador Perez, a catcher. He was injured last season, so I think yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back. This is a guy who really led the Kansas City Royals to that 2015 World Series. He got paid for it. He's a big name in Kansas City. You know, if you say Salvador Perez, everyone knows who he is. Um so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back. I was between Perez and Alex Gordon. You know, Gordon's getting up there. He's been a lifelong Royal. He's just been one of those day one guys that's also just kind of always been part of the franchise. People look up up to Alex Gordon. You know, he's the guy that you grew up watching as a kid. And now that yep, he's you know, been you're with a teenager, even a young adult, you just grew up watching him. And, you know, he's just one of those fan favorites. But Alex Gordon isn't producing anymore. Is it really worth the Royals keeping him. So, yeah, definitely the two guys I'm keeping an eye on uh, are is Perez coming back from the injury 
and Gordon just because he's kind of getting up there with age. Yeah, I, I, I like both those picks, especially the uh, Salvi one. I was trying to get him in my MLB fantasy draft earlier today, but I got outbid by him. People drove up the price crazy high for him, and I was not going for it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he'd be worth that much in an auction draft. No, it was like $15, $16. I'm like, get out of here with that. Yeah. Let's go on to our Cy Young pick. And, I mean, when I was doing my research earlier, I was between Brad Keller and Danny Duffy, but I had already picked Brad Keller for my X Factor, and I, I, I picked Danny Duffy. He's been a guy that has been with the Royals his entire career, too, and he's always been pretty solid. Last two years, he's fallen off a bit. He had ERAs above four both those years. But prior to that, he had six years in a row where he had an ERA, except for 2015, rate of 408. He had an ERA below 3.9. This is kind of like the Tigers, just kind of like the least painful pitcher to watch, I guess, would be Danny mm-hmm. Duffy. Although Danny Duffy is actually pretty solid. Um, yeah, so so there's really no argument here. I think anyone who watches baseball, specifically Royals baseball, would, would probably agree that Danny Duffy is going to be the best arm coming off that team. Yeah, I don't think there's really much debate about it. But, again, a few years from now, keep your eyes out for Brad Keller. I'm telling you. Yeah, well, we'll have to see what the future holds for him. But hopefully he can get the walk numbers down because that's a really a big turnoff. The right players know how to take advantage of that. They, they absolutely will. Let's move on to the divisional favorites, one of four teams to win over 100 games last year, and uh, that's the Minnesota Twins. They've got one of the best lineups in baseball, and they only added to it. They added Josh Donaldson last year. Yeah, Signing the bringer of rain, that's that's a big pick. And, you know, I'm a Mets fan, so I'm really excited to see him out of the NL East. And, you yeah, know, stolen from Atlanta. In the, in the AL Central, far away. But, um, yeah, to Adam Badley, Josh Donaldson, to Byron Buxton, Nelson Cruz, Miguel Sano, Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, this team has speed, this team has contact, this team has power. And they, got just everything. Got, they just got that much better signing Josh Donaldson. And they did a little better pitching-wise. I feel a little more confident in their rotation this year. Um, and Homer Bailey this last year. Yeah, I mean, they they went out, traded for Kenta Maeda. They signed Rich Hill. Jose Barrios is coming back. Hopefully Michael Pineda can have a bounce-back season. So I think this is going to be – a pretty fun team to watch. You know, you got Jake Odorizzi as well. So it, it it should be a pretty good team. Um, You know, they're my favorites for the AL Central title. It, it's just going to depend on, you know, how far of a playoff run they can actually make. Yeah, because we saw how embarrassed they got in the ALDS last year. They don't want anything like that to repeat this year. And if they get matched up with the Yankees, it might – Hopefully now that all those guys, pretty much all those guys are still on this team. And then, you know, a guy like Maida is on the Dodgers. He has plenty of uh, playoff experience. Josh Donaldson has plenty of playoff experience between the Blue Jays and the Braves. And Rich Hill, former Dodger, he has his playoff experience. So, you know, I think this team should actually probably do better when – won the playoffs for a round just because, you know, now they do have that experience. And not even just because they added that experience, but all the guys that were in the playoffs last year got their own experience. And, I mean, because a lot of guys prior to that, they didn't have much experience. I mean, Mitch Garver, Miguel Sano, Jorge Polanco, none of them really had all that much experience in the 
playoffs up until last year. So that could have been a big part of why they went cold. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And, you know, you sign guys like Donaldson and Rich Hill. These are guys who are veterans. And, again, there's that leadership. There's Signing these guys comes with so much more than statistics. It's personality. It's clubhouse. It's, you know, it's the behind-the-scenes stuff that's really important with, with signings like that. So let's move on to our MVP picks or X Factors, all that fun stuff. And my MVP is actually going to be Eddie Rosario. Guy hit 32 home runs last year, 109 RBIs, and he's just hitting the start of his prime right now. He's 28, and he's going to be in that left field position once again. And when his turn in the lineup comes around, everyone better just go back about 30 more feet and be scared for their lives. That's that's kind of an eye-opening pick. You said Eddie Rosario, and my, my jaw kind of dropped. Because I, I guess I'm going to go with the mainstream pick here, which is Josh Donaldson. You know, they mm-hmm. went out. They the, the Twins said, listen, we're a playoff team, but we need that one more piece. Josh Donaldson, I think, is that one more piece. I don't know if they'll win the World Series with that one more piece or, you know, if they'll just make it to the ALCS until, you know, maybe they can bulk up their bullpen a little bit or maybe add another really top tier, not even top tier, but just like maybe a grade B starting pitcher. You know, a guy like Kent Ameda, my guess is he's actually probably going to come out of the pen. Um, yeah, he might. Which is, is kind of what they need. They they need some bullpen arms. So, you know, that'll be important for them. But I'm definitely going to go with Josh Johnson as my MVP just because I think he really could be that last – piece or next to last piece from from them you know really making a deep run in the playoffs yeah it's definitely a good pick I'm not gonna be knocking you for that pick I think a lot of people definitely understand and probably agree with that pick maybe a bit more than they agree with mine but let's move on to our x factors and I'm sure a lot of people are kind of going to disagree with this one but uh, it's going to be Nelson Cruz now I know that he's been an ageless wonder I mean the past six years he had over 90 RBIs every year and 35 home runs or more every year but he's going to be 39 this year. And people don't realize that he's going to literally be 39. He's been putting up numbers the past five years. That's better than any of his years in his career. And for him to be 39 next year, I just don't expect the same amount of production that he's been putting up the rest of his career. It's possible. It wouldn't shock me if he does at all. But I don't expect it anymore because at the age of 39, you're going to, you're going to fall off eventually. And I think this would be the year for him. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with another newly acquired player who I actually just mentioned in Kent Ameda. Um, You know, if God forbid one of their starting pitchers gets hurt, he can lock in at a starting pitcher position. Like I said before, this team doesn't really have a top-tier bullpen, but adding Kent Ameda can definitely help you with that. You know, one of their starters has a bad game. He can go two, three innings. So I think Kent Ameda uh, – you know, as, as long as he's playing well, I think this ball club can really go places. So, yeah, my expectation is going to have to be kept in Ada. Yeah, I'm just looking right now, and Maeda's actually being projected as their third starter as of opening day. But I'm definitely sure that as the season goes on, it will probably change at some point, depending on how the rest of the season goes. They make a trade, call someone up, or obviously if the bullpen needs some help, which they might. Yeah, I mean, even if he is the third starter, he still has to be locked down behind Barrios and Odorizzi, you know, for this mm-hmm. team to go places. And, you know, if he is one of the three starters in the playoffs, he has to be he has to be solid. So, you know, he's 
no matter what role he's playing, he's flexible, and and he, no matter what role he plays, he has to play well for this team to go deep. Speaking of uh, someone that needs to play well for this team to go deep, Jose Barrios is someone that needs to do well for this team to go deep. He's going to be my Cy Young pick. When I was making the pick, I was stuck between him and Jake Odorizzi. I was like, do I pick up the pick the 30-year-old who had his first All-Star game last year or the 26-year-old who's been more consistent? Even though Odorizzi had a better year last year, I'm still going to go with Barrios because he's younger and he's been more consistent. And aside from his rookie season where he really blew up, he hasn't had a bad year in his three years since his rookie season. I'm going to have to go with Jake Odorizzi on this one. I think he's a reliable guy, and he's pretty solid. And for him to be a number two pitcher, I, I could see him being a number one pitcher on, on certain teams. He's pretty good. I think he's overlooked. I, I, I would say he's underrated. Um, he's definitely got to keep an eye on. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take Jake Odorizzi. For- the thing about Odorizzi, too, is it's just- – contract year so he's got to do really well to try and earn a better contract whether it's a contract central to minnesota or if he just goes somewhere else in free agency it's a make a break for him in terms of the amount of money that he makes the rest of his career he's definitely going to be giving it his all you know Mm -hmm. just for so many reasons so i i think that's going to push him to do even better that's completely fair point but now let's move on since we talked about all our teams to the projected standings yeah so i'll i'll go through real quick I have the Twins finishing at uh, 37 and 23. I have the White Sox finishing second at 36 and 24. Mm-hmm. I have the Indians finishing at 34 and 26. And then I have the Royals finishing at 24 and 36. And then I have the Detroit Tigers finishing at 20 and 4. Yeah, so it looks like we both have the exact same order, just how we're, just like we did with the ALEs. But our uh, numbers are going to be changing a little bit. I kind of went more with the extremes, especially at the top and bottom end. I have the Twins winning 44 games this year. I think they're an absolutely unstoppable offense. And their pitching, especially their starting pitching, is good enough to probably win them at least 40 games. And I would be surprised if that turns out being 44, especially when you get 20 games against the Tigers and the Royals combined. And, then and you the have, Pirates. Yeah, yeah, you get some more against the Pirates as well. Yeah. And in second place for the Chicago White Sox, like you had said, I have them at 34 and 26. I have them out of a wild card right now by just a couple of games, but I would not be surprised if they make the leap to get into a wild card game. Their team definitely has a lot of talent, and if they don't do it this year, I'm sure they'll do it next year. Yep. Uh, then I have... The Indians at 31 and 29 kind of took a step back from last year. And although their pitching is going to probably be improving, especially with Bieber and Clevenger on the front end of that rotation, there are just too many question marks of this team to have them being much over 500 this year. Uh, then I have the Royals at 25 and 35, right around where you would uh, put them. It's higher than a lot of people putting them, probably up in like a 19 to 21, that range. Although I did just look earlier, the betting odds are actually at 24 and a half. So if I was to take the over, you were to take the under if yeah. we went off our standings. Uh, and then last, I have the Detroit Tigers at a painful, painful 13 and 47 record. Yeah, I don't know if the Tigers are that bad where they're going to win 13 out of 60 games. 
Would it surprise me? Probably not. Do I think it'll happen though? Probably not. But I mean, they're playing. You know, they're playing the AL Central, which has four potential playoff teams as well, and they're the worst team at the AL Central. They don't have the you know benefit of playing themselves. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're gonna have the Twins, White Sox, and Indians, and then in the NL, you're gonna have the Cubs, Cardinals, the Reds, who kind of in the same group as the White Sox and the Brewers. So. I could see it, but I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how bad the Tigers are. And I, I feel like be. that's quite a statement to say. It's going to be interesting to see how bad a team is. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I've been taking the extremes and all of them, but I do truly believe that they're going to be the worst team. And the LNB yeah. by probably a considerable amount for whatever the season is, probably at least two or three games. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty much shaping up that way. Mm-hmm. But that just about wraps things up. Thank you guys for tuning in and watching. Thank you, Nick, for being on once again. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys once again for watching. And I haven't said this before, but if you're listening, we really do appreciate it. And we'd actually appreciate it even more if you go down to whatever the iTunes store, uh, the Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening to our podcast, and just leave a review. Whatever you think of our podcast, leave it. However many stars you would rate us, leave an honest review. And just share this with our friends because we're trying to grow and we really would appreciate it.